0: This is a Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand podcast. Welcome to a new season of Yokogawa Debunks, conversations with industry experts to demystify the misconceptions we hear in the process instrumentation and process automation space. I'm your host, Sean carhill And thank you for joining us today. Now, Season 1 was a great success, and and we thank all of our listeners and colleagues who have praised our efforts to discuss so many topics in our industry and given us new ideas and and new thoughts on what they would like to hear about. I'd also like to remind you that if you enjoy the podcasts, please reach out via email on debunks at yokagawa.com. Now, we wanted to kick off Season 2 with a special topic the misconceptions surrounding online elemental analysis performed by a very unique yet misunderstood technology. So today, we've invited Stefan Nell, who is an expert in this field at real-time instruments, also known as RTI, who are a business partner to Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand. Stefan is an expert in neutron generators and safe radioactive isotopes used in online elemental analysers, and is going to help us debunk a few of the misconceptions today. So good morning, Stefan. Pleasure to have you on board. Good morning, Sean. Thanks for the
1: invitation to join this, uh, I think, very important uh, initiative undertaken
0: by Yokogawa. And look, you know, we're so pleased you can join us. And I'd like to start the conversation with a bit of an introduction, if we can. So please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with online elemental analysis in the industries that you've been exposed to?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I started my career as a field service engineer for a company in South Africa about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, perhaps. And, um, where I was exposed to commissioning and calibrating and installing some of these nuclear type uh, instrumentation. My exposure has been in various industries like coal mining and uh, coal processing and, and also power generation and In addition to that, also cement production and limestone mining and uh, mineral processing, mineral mining, and uh, also food and packaging. Now, with my instrumentation background and my master's degree in business administration, I understand some of the operational challenges from a technical and commercial aspect. And um, as I mentioned, the journey's been long. Uh, It's been arduous and, but I've gained, I've gained a lot of experience throughout.
0: Well, that's great. And look, you know, one of the things that we're looking forward to today is is delving into that industry expertise that you've got. And there's quite a few myths and misconceptions around these devices that we we've got. Now, the first and probably the most common one relates to the automatic reaction that end users display with the word nuclear. You know, this word tends to be associated with nuclear energy and the infamous catastrophes at Chernobyl and Fukushima. So therefore, radioactive equipment, You know, it's considered by many as a little bit unsafe, so when faced with this type of response, I mean, how do you address the concerns, and what would you say of those technicians out there whose first reaction is to keep away from the radioactive material signage?
1: Yeah, I I think we first have to understand that both the Fukushima and the Chernobyl disasters were caused by the failure of secondary safety systems. Um, It was on a much grander scale than we could ever expect to see on some of these operating sites where the technology is applied. When people do walk on sites and they see these um, radioactive uh, protection signs or warning signs, they do tend to steer away, which in itself is not a bad thing. Now, uh, at this point, I think the principle that I would want to uh, point out is ALARA, which means as low as reasonably achievable. And it doesn't matter how low the exposed rad- radiation dose rates are. The objective is to keep the received dose rates ALARA by maximizing the distance, maximizing the shielding, and minimizing the time of exposure. There is, however, a requirement for personnel to spend some extended periods of time. In close proximity to some of these areas now, if you do apply the, 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 the principle of Alara, it, it, the situation is deemed safe. Probably over the last 20 to 25 years, we've seen a rapid increase in the demand and application of these online instrumentation. Probably the most common ones are what they call neutron activation and gamma attenuation. In order to clearly understand radiation safety and address the concerns, we have to firstly understand what types of radiation we can expect and the terms associated with radiation. Firstly, neutron radiations. And neutrons are best stopped by materials that contain large amounts of hydrogen, uh, like concrete, polyethylene, or water. Uh, Second is beta radiation, which can be stopped by a thin layer of metal foil, cloth, or even plastics. Thirdly, we have alpha radiation, which can easily be stopped by the outer layer of our skin and is not considered a biological threat. Now, alpha particles are contained within some of these isotopes that are used for online elemental analysis. The last uh, is gamma and x-ray. It could be stopped by dense materials such as concrete, lead or steel. Now, beta and alpha radiation could cause more localized damage at cell level, whereas gamma is more referred to as whole body exposure. And, and this is what makes it more suitable for taking x-rays of the whole human body. The unit of measurement for uh, absorbed dose is referred to as REM and a REM takes into account the energy absorbed And its biological effect on the body caused by each of the four types of radiation uh, mentioned earlier. Now, the following examples that I'm going to be providing of absorbed doses are based on international basic safety standards for protection against ionizing radiation and for the safety of radiation sources, uh, which was issued by the International Atomic Energy Agency and other world health organizations. These limits are also consistent with the limits published by the United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission and ARPANSA, which is the Australian Radiation Protection and Nuclear Safety Agency. Here are just a couple of examples. If you were to fly across the Atlantic Ocean, you will be exposed to around 6 millirem, going for a chest X-ray about 10 millirem, Living in a brick house, you are exposed to about 75 millirem per year. At an elevation of 1,600 meters, uh, you'll be exposed to 120 millirem per year. Public exposure limits are set at about 100 millirem per year, which is then deemed as a safe dose and exposure by nuclear instrumentation on site is less than 20 millirem per year if you were to walk past the equipment hourly every day for a year. So from this we could gather that um, being exposed to the instrumentation is significantly less than the public exposure limit which at 100 millirem, which is then deemed safe. The principle of Alara is applied by medical radiographers on a daily basis by maximizing the distance from the source, maximizing the shielding, and minimizing the time.
0: Thanks, Stefan. Those are really valuable insights into some of the safety concerns. And, and you can see how they're sometimes blown out of all proportions and become that misconception that uh, that we just addressed. Now, for end users in a number of industries um, who can overcome that initial hesitance and invest in the online analyzers, and they follow those strict regulations and recommendations you just mentioned, what is the main benefit that they can get from this technology? Uh, that that's quite an
1: interesting question, Sean. We have to understand that due to the fact that it is a uh, a nuclear um, technology, it, it it's non intrusive, so it's not in contact with the material that it's analysing, which in itself does um, have the benefit of uh, there's no real moving parts. Um, they you don't have to install wear liners um, for abrasive type materials. Another benefit is the fact that it actually does analyze all the material or at least 90% plus of a material that is, that is exposed to the nuclear isotope or radioactive nucleide. So it is a very representative of what's happening on conveyor belts and within pipes uh, where it's applied in a slurry application. And as I mentioned before, it's a non intrusive type measurement. The additional benefit is the fact that um, the data availability from this um, technology is on a minute-by-minute basis. So it's termed as real-time data where the normal latency associated with taking samples from conveyors or out-of-pipes um Then preparing a sample and sending that to a laboratory for analysis, and a couple of hours, and some in some instances a couple of days later, the customer does have access to this data. Kind of kind of lends itself to a a reactive type of approach to controlling some processes within these plants, as opposed to having this data in and information available in real time, does enable the operators to uh, react to process changes within uh, the process quite quickly and make some proactive control decisions in determining uh, final product quality.
0: So it's pretty much a set-and-forget instrument, and and not only set-and-forget instrument, but one which gives you a whole range of data on your process that most of the time you pretty much wouldn't have. So that's, that's fantastic. Now, Another myth around these devices comes from field technicians, and this is something that's been reported back by some of our own people. Now, everyone understands radiation from a medical x-ray point of view, and you, you touched on that earlier, and believe that the same principle isn't used by nuclear instruments. Now, is this true, or simply put, you know, please demystify how a nuclear device works for our audience.
1: Yeah, sure, Sean. There, there is obviously some truth in, in, in the principle. Um, the difference being that, um, when you go for an x-ray, you are exposed to fairly high, um, doses, uh, but for a very short period of time. Whereas the use of the technology, um, on site is a continually ad- emitting radiation, but at much lower energy level. Using the isotopes cesium-137 and, in some instances, cobalt-60 for the measurement of density within a pipe, um, you would normally have the nuclei on the one side of a pipe and a photomultiplier tube or commonly known as a detector on the other side. And as the material density inside the pipe increases and decreases, More or less of the initial signal transmitted by the nuclear isotope on one side is seen by the detector on the other side, which indicates an increase and a decrease in the density of the material. Neutron activation or prompt gamma neutron activation is a bit more complex and makes use of the isotopes americium beryllium, californium 252, and also neutron generators. It works on the principle of fast-moving neutrons, which is being thermalized or slowed down through various materials within the actual analyzer. And in doing so, it actually imparts some energy inside that atom, and that atom, as it returns to its natural state, emits a gamma ray. That gamma ray is uh, unique to that specific element uh, in terms of its electron volt energy, gathering all these energy levels of the various elements emitting the gammas and spectrally analyzing it um, can give you quantitative data in terms of how much of the element is actually existent within the burden of material that's being measured. and uh, combining that with a uh, mass measurement input device, then you can provide some quantitative data, cumulative data and also rolling average data. Uh, which enables the operators then to uh, react in real time to some of these process changes and in determining some of the final quality of the outputs of the final product. This is where it's uh, probably slightly different to normal medical uh, techniques that is incorporated or used um, uh, in the medical industry, where, as I mentioned before, it's a short burst of energy for a very limited period of time, whereas. Industrial systems are emitting radiation at a very constant level for extended periods of time in order to uh, introduce the uh, reaction within the material to then provide that uh, data. That is the major difference between going for an X-ray and um, utilizing this technology on site.
0: Well, thank you, Stefan. I think that's really, really helped with uh, demystifying some of the misconceptions around the safety elements of this fantastic technology. Now, unfortunately, we've actually come to the end of today's episode, um, but I think we've seen that there are many misconceptions and myths here that we still need to address, as well as looking at the two main configurations of nuclear devices. So hopefully, Stefan, you'll be able to join us for uh, another episode of uh, Your Gowdy Bunks.
1: Yeah, thanks, Sean. I would value the opportunity to do so and looking forward to the next one.
0: And thank you very much for listening. And if you have any particular questions for Stefan or for us, please reach out via email at debunks at yokagawa.com or at stefan.nell at rtiaustralia.com. And don't forget to like and share your favourite Debunks episode on your social media channels. So, until next time, stay safe, and remember, your kagawa debunks.